You are now entering the world of Musings of a Geek Podcast Network. Stay geeky, my friends. Welcome to episode 91 of 40 Going On 14. I 92. 92 of 40 Going On 14. I am Mike. I'm Patrick. And I'm Josh. And, you know, after all the years of playing the World of Warcrafts and all the things with the fancy graphics, I'm looking forward to taking a look back to the days where if you wanted to pretend to be an elf, all you had was a black screen with green letters that say you are an elf, and then the cyber sex could begin. <laughs> Then winds up looking like Aunt Jemima. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was awkward. Well, you still got that picture, Pat? Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, this week we are talking about online role-playing games, starting back from the early days of MUDs, uh, multi-user dungeons for the uninitiated, and uh, going into uh, the MMORPGs of now, that mult- massively... MM? Massively... Multiplayer. multiplayer online role-playing games. Got it. Yep. Yeah. So, but before we get into that, let's talk about Musings of a Geek Network and all the different shows that they have on there. They've got uh, the Bearded Ones. They've got the uh, Dark Angels and Pretty Freaks show. They've got uh, History of Bad Ideas, are three that I listen to often. And if you're looking for a sports show, <laughs> <laughs> here we go. <laughs> Leftfield Sports Lounge. Someday they're coming up on the anniversary of their last show soon, so we should eventually listen. <laughs> right. We should probably listen to that soon. Um. <laughs> We're a bunch of dicks. <laughs> and if you would uh, like to listen to our show, if you're out and about on Saturdays, you can go to Geek Life Radio at noon and listen to our stream there and get our uh, weekly show through your browser and all that so cool stuff. Yeah, if you want to listen to some of our older shows, you can always check out our archives on iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher, TalkShoe, other fine podcasting directories. Yes. And if you want to talk to us. You can get us at 708-NOW-RAP. That's 708-669-9727. We're also on Twitter and uh, on Facebook. 40 going on 14, or 40 go 14, as we have shortened it to. And uh, I, I do want to mention that they can't necessarily talk to us when they call that number. No one's going to answer. More talking at us. Yeah. yeah. Speaking, of talk- speaking of talking at us, I hear we yes, have, we have voices. Uh, voices from the past. Uh-oh. Yeah. I haven't heard Is it Joel? It's Anne-Margaret. Oh, it's not Joel? It's oh, yeah. not Joel. Yeah, Joel is not Joel's with us. Joel's not here, by the yeah, way. He's on vacay. Somewhere. Joel could not log in. And by vacay, we mean um, prison. <laughs> <laughs> he was arrested. He'll be, be back in four to six months. Yeah, he was arrested for exposing himself unnecessarily to a busload of nuns. <laughs> they were all... Necessarily dogs. exposing himself to a bus full of prisoners. Yes, they, uh, they got all... He all hopped up on acid and... Running out and hijacked a bus full of nuns, and it was kind of a family uh, emergency. <laughs> kind of busy. Come back later. Thanks. Yep. All right. <laughs> so we have voicemails. I think is what we were trying to get to. Yes. <laughs> and they're not from Joel. Nope. Uh, here's one from a guy we have not heard from in a long time. Ah. Hey guys, it's been a while. Listener here. Um, just making around. Just finally listening to episode eighty-seven. 
where you guys are talking about the billboard top 10 part 2 or 100 or 100 billboards or whatever the fuck happened there at the beginning. <laughs> and you're talking about two years ago. Really? Two years ago? 87 shows? You guys are fucking slacking. You guys should be at least at 104 if you're at two years. If you guys are a weekly show. I don't want to hear no fucking excuses. Step up goddamn shit. And I don't really feel like it's been two years. I may have to look into that. So, uh, and no, difference between the uh, actual years doesn't count. It's the space from when you started to the space to when you ending. Have I lost you yet? Because I'm fucking confused. Bust to the front. <laughs> we, we've claimed to be podcasters. We have never claimed to be mathematicians. That's true. I'm not some sort of number scientist. <laughs> what am I, a calendar? Uh, to, uh, but uh, to address your point directly, sir, uh, yeah, we have not quite hit the exact two-year mark. Uh, the first music show would have been in late 2013, mm-hmm. and then the second one would have been in early 2014. But I, I want to say we're coming up on our official two-year anniversary pretty shortly now. September 13th. Okay, so it's after the summer. Yeah. We started just after Gen Con. Yep. Yep. That makes sense. So and we have one more voicemail. Dun dun dun. Good morning, guys. Uh, I'm listening to the show, and it, uh, I'm early on it, but it, it hit me. Something that's been on the on the tip of my tongue, on the back of my mind for weeks. And and it seems that Joel is like the, the Michelle Tanner of your show. Because <laughs> it kind of busts in with the goofy stuff. and like, what are you talking about, dude? You know, he, needs, he, needs, he, he just needs to say how rude, and I'm sure he'd have, like, a gaggle of gross old dudes just waiting until he's old enough fuck to, to fuck. Or like you know, like old enough as in helpless enough, too helpless to defend himself. You know what I mean? Yeah. All right, you guys have a good day. I'm going to go back to work and do my stuff. Aight, aight. You know, for a second there, I thought he was going to say tip of my tongue and back of my throat. Kiss I. Whoa. <laughs> I had a feeling something was coming. Right, the way I wasn't I, saying anything because yeah. I can. Yeah, yeah exactly. But you were still silent, so I'm like, yeah. uh oh. Here we go. So I, I actually, I, I hate. To be the guy who knows this, but um, it was actually Stephanie who used to say how rude on that show and not Michelle. Wow, dude. Yeah. <sighs> Although, what's funny Except, is... As a joke, because, like, you know, it, 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 like she said it, you know, that was the punchline, was that she stole her catchphrase and used it on someone, but it was it was Stephanie's catchphrase. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know why I've seen so many Full House episodes, because I hate that show, but I re- I, I'm realizing more and more that I've seen a lot of them. I'm, I'm thinking you're kind of full of shit on that whole hating it thing. <laughs> That's the sad... I mean, but you know how I am. I'm, I I love to abuse myself and watch things I hate so I could be mad at it, hate it. That's stuff. fair. And I, I think the uh, comparison is fairly apropos, but I, what I think is most interesting about that voicemail is it's a sneaky one from Charlie, because even if I'd previewed it, if I'd gotten bored halfway through and said, ah, this one's fine, I would have missed the, like, waiting until he's old enough to fuck. <laughs> and it would have gotten right past me anyway. So, well played, sir. Yes. Adequate. <laughs> so, we were about that time? Mm-hmm. It is about I that time. I think we are. This week in music, movies, and TV. Wow, that was weird without the and sports. Yeah, it's kind of <laughs> sports. <laughs> it's like kind of like Thanksgiving without grandma. <laughs>
I don't know what that means. Um, so <laughs> now I'm sad. This weekend, 1997 was Wait, a year. What just happened? Oh, hey, there he is. Uh, the year Ultima Online came out. 1997. Holy crap. Uh, music. Puff Daddy and the Family's "I'll Be Missing You" single is number one on the charts for the next 11 weeks. Yeah, we talked about this one a little bit in that Billboard episode, how I uh, kind of felt that the Wiz Khalifa song was directly out of this uh, song's playbook, following the same blueprint. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, also, the, 30, nice yeah, the 31st Music City News Country Award. That is a terrible name. Uh, thank <laughs> you for not making that the acronym of the week. Yeah. <laughs> the 31st Music City News Country Awards Features winners such as Alan Jackson and Leanne Rimes on June 16th. And Radiohead releases OK Computer to huge critical acclaim. And I have to say, I am not a Radiohead fan. That's a pretty good album, though. I mean, I, I'm not the biggest Radiohead fan in the world, but uh, OK Computer is pretty good. See, I, 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 have, a, I think, have a theory about Radiohead. I think they were put out as like a practical joke. And all the critics agreed, we're going to say we like this band, even though they're really not that good. We're going to talk about how awesome they are. Right. And like all the sisters are like, yeah, they're great. And they're like laughing at them behind their backs. When uh, I worked for Starbucks, I had someone at my store who had a Minotaur tattoo and would not shut up about Radiohead. I tried so many times to listen to so many songs of theirs, and I just find them very, very bland. Yeah, not a big Radiohead friend, fan. Yeah. Uh, but movies, strangely enough... The number one movie is Lost World Jurassic Park. Oh, yeah. The new Jurassic Park releases uh, in this this evening, in fact. Yep. Oh, yeah. 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 yeah some of the early shows are probably playing as we speak. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love how they keep creeping up more and more into Thursday. Used to be only at midnight, and then it turned yeah. into like 10. Now they're like, uh, we're just going to show it at noon on Thursday. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Con Air is released on June 6th. I went to see that at the theater when we lived in Georgia. Oof, I'm sorry. Oh, it's it's amazingly terrible, though. It is. It is very, very bad, yes. Yeah. Like, especially that the scene at the end where he finally sees his little girl and he's got the bunny. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My, I, uh, Susie and I went to go see that. And I think I made her snork popcorn because, like, <laughs> when one of those slow motion scenes, I leaned over and went, I think he's supposed to be Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> How do I live without you? (laughs) And then, dun-dun-dun, acronym of the week, S2 colon CC. That's just Shark 2. Chomp, chomp. (laughs) I like it. That's got to be a better movie than what it actually is. It's Speed 2 Cruise Control. I definitely would have rather seen Shark 2. Yeah. (laughs) Shark 2, chomp, chomp. Was released on June 13th because Speed 2 is terrible. Yes. And, uh, you know, Speed 1 was not actually that good. No, it wasn't. I, it was like, I don't know, you have all this beautiful tension built, and then Keanu speaks. Whoa. It's like, <laughs> hey, we gotta we got stop favorite, the bus. <laughs> uh, my, my favorite ever of any kind of speed reference was in The Simpsons when Homer's all like talking about the movies like the movie where the where the bus's speed had to stay above a certain speed and if that speed didn't stay at that speed it would blow up I think it was called the bus that couldn't slow down <laughs> I'd watch that over I'd watch speed again <laughs> alright character actor and once Oscar nominated American thespian Richard Jackal Jackal yeah. I've never heard of him, and I didn't know any of his roles, but i got to have my death in my tweet. Yeah, there has to be death in the tweet. And on to TV, ER, Seinfeld, and Suddenly Snoozin'. <laughs> <laughs> 
when we discover what Patrick. Now, this I'm gonna think this is gonna be another one of those shows that Patrick hates, but has seen every episode. <laughs> Suddenly, Susan. Yeah, I could see that. Those are the top three shows. So, in uh, so that, that actually is. I'm, I stole that joke from Colin Mockery on uh, one of his fake news things. That's he's he's like you. You've been watching Suddenly Snoozing. Yeah, 1997 wasn't. You know, two out of three ain't bad. <laughs> yeah, but you just throw out that wrong bit of Suddenly Susan trivia, and Pat will be right there to correct you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Actually, that was episode seven. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, June 6th, 1997, you lay down to watch. Why do you lay down to watch? The Late Show know. with David Lee. Your TV's on the ceiling. Uh, is this a choose-your-own-adventure? What's going on? I don't know. You lay down. It's, he says you lay down to watch. I don't know. I, know I decided to, like, you know, put some put some heart into the tweet. Well, stop it. <laughs> turn to page three if you decide to turn over to Carson. <laughs> the Late Show with David Letterman. Uh, little did you know you're about to see Farrah Fawcett uh, make a bizarre, almost legendary per- appearance, showed up high as a kite, telling long, rambling stories without a purpose and failed to understand simple questions. At one point, she got easily distracted by the blinking lights on the set, and now she's dead. Well, there's a death. Yeah, but that was just for my own amusement. I needed actual death that happened during the week. Oh. All right. Well, then, sport on June 7th at the 129th Belmont Stakes. Jockey Chris McCarron aboard Touch Gold wins in 2 minutes, 28.8 seconds. I have no idea what that meant. I think that was horse racing? Yeah, horse yes. racing. They did, and um, with American Pharaoh uh, winning this last, uh, yeah, Belmont. the triple crown, yeah, the triple crown. Um, they showed a video of uh, American Pharaoh running in sync with um, secretary, secretary, yeah. and secretariat still beat him by like two seconds. Wow, yep. yeah, can't um, beat Grandpa. Nope. And uh, at the sixty seventh Women's French Open, Eva Majoli. Yeah, okay. sure. We'll go with that. Beats Martina Hinges. Hingus. Hingus. I know Martina Hingus. Martina Hinges, too, but only if you give her 50 bucks. <laughs> I only know uh, Hingus because, if I remember right, she is uh, one of the uh, more attractive of the tennis pros. No. Like the, hmm? <laughs> she is not. Oh, yeah, she is. Well, I we're going with... Her that attractive. She was very plain. We're going with tennis pro... She's no Anna Kornikova. What? She's no Anna Kornikova. Oh. That's that's true. But like, uh, no, I just just looked her up. She's uh, she's cute. Yeah, and she she was known for being maybe a little bit more talented than some of the other tennis pros that were accused of using their looks to get where they were. So there was that. Hmm. So uh, I was such very plain. Well, not all of us have such high standards as you, Patrick. Well, not all of you can afford to. <laughs> when you when you look like this, you can be picky. <laughs> if anybody wants to see Patrick's face, <laughs> don't do that. Imagine look, me as beautiful. Look, look for us on Facebook. <laughs> There's some imagine, awesome. Imagine me as as Val Kilmer from uh, from Real Genius, not Val Kilmer from the, the Kodak. <laughs> from <company>. now, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey guys, remember when I was Batman? <laughs> Uh, the Detroit Red Wings sleep sw- sleep with the Philadelphia Flyers and win the Stanley Cup. No, the Detroit Red Wings. Red Wings. <laughs> what is oh, going no. on? There's too many W's. Uh, <laughs> the Detroit one, Red Wings. One is too many. Yes, no, they there's won. two. They won. Very, very quiet. <laughs> On June 12th, the first ever MLB interleague game takes place as the San Francisco Giants beat the Texas Rangers four to three. So there you go. 
There you go. I don't know if I ever told you guys. I actually have been for a long time uh, a Red Wings fan, which is weird for a Chicago person because that's usually... Yeah, they're enemies. Enemies, yeah. yeah. But it was basically because back when we were all in college, NHL 94 was out and everybody wanted to play the Hawks. So I didn't care that much about hockey. So I looked to see what team had the second best stats. And it was the Detroit Red Wings pretty consistently at Steve Eiserman. Uh, in those like I Sega remember, Genesis. I didn't even have a Steve Eiserman shirt. No, I don't think I ever got a shirt, but like I always controlled Steve Eiserman in the Sega Genesis video game. So I, I kind of by proxy became a Red Wings fan. Cool. So yeah. that's kind of how, you, how, how you became a Dikembe Mutombo fan too was NBA Jam. Yeah, pretty much. All, All right. right. Main show? Yeah, let's uh, go on to talk about some uh, sports that we were... do need exit music for Twee. What's that? We do need to get some exit music for the Twee, I think. Yeah, we do. That, that'll just signify that we're, we're done. getting another show. Bum, bum, da, da, da. No more Twee. <laughs> yeah, see, the Twee's now going to be done in Norwegian death metal. We're going to have to hire like, uh, Will Arnett to be like, we're done with the Twee! <laughs> Oh, you brought uh, up Will Arnett while well, well, Joel couldn't bitch about him for a half hour. That's awesome. Nice. <laughs> so, back in the day, before computers had things like mice and graphics. Monitors. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we were at a really interesting time in the development of the internet, having been at a university that had a internet connection, but before even Netscape, there was no graphical web. Yeah, we but, had to work for our porn. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Wait for it to just download a line at a time. We're like, all right, I'm going to download this picture. I'll be back in half an hour so I can masturbate. <laughs> no, and then and then you had to uh, de- decode it, remember? Uh, oh, oh no, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but you could save pictures or save files as like a whole bunch of different lines of text, like garbled text, and then you had to reassemble them and decode it. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then you're not sure, like, well, that says, <laughs> what was the, what is it, Sex Bunny? Do you remember that one? Vaguely. Yeah. Well, and you're to the point where you're like, well, I've already looked at all of the uh, softcore porn I'd like to for one day. <laughs> Now I'd like to go slay a dragon. Yeah. That's, you know, as you do. Yeah, because, you know, it's what normally happens post-coitus with your friend, hand. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, so muds, mushes, and moos were the big game back then. Uh, yeah, we used a program called Telnet, which uh, we'd either access from a terminal program in the PC lab, or the, we actually had uh, access to Vax VMS terminals, which were the kind of like black background with green letters. Mm-hmm. You just type in the address and you'd connect. And it was this all text based kind of replication of something like a Dungeons and Dragons. Well, it was kind. It was just, just imagine the the computer from War Games. If you're yeah, yeah. if anybody's ever played any text based games like uh, Gorp, uh, Gorp, Gorp, what's Gorp. what is it? Gorp. No, Gorp is the Eminem and Raisin shit. Gorp <laughs> or uh, uh, Leather Goddesses of Phobos. Oh yeah, yeah, that Zork. sort of thing. Zork, Zork, did Zork. Zork. Yeah. yeah, that's what I'm thinking of. You got the you have been eaten by a Gru. So imagine that type of game, but in a multi-user scenario where you are but typing everything in 
Uh, yeah. And the systems were had a lot of variety in their complexity because some of them would be combat heavy where you had a pretty dedicated character sheet with what you could do in your character class and you'd have to train various things. Mm-hmm. And some of them were much more social where you had a description for your character and you had an inventory. But other than that, it was mostly about like a chat room with various fantasy themed rooms. Yeah, and there you like you had the combat, and combat back then was kind of skewed. Uh, whatever it was was going to kick your ass. <laughs> uh, I just remember trying to you you know you you create your character, you have a sword, you have armor, have whatever you've got. March off, you see a rabbit, a tech rabbit, and then the rabbit turns out to be the rabbit from Monty Python and <laughs> eats you. Uh, it's very much slanted in a kind of a grindy type uh situation where you had to get before you even tried to do anything worthwhile you had to have a certain amount of equipment to have a certain amount of xp and that sort of thing um but on that other side you know outside of the gameplay it was also very social where you can get people that could help you through the games and walk you through the beginning couple levels yeah and i think that uh we spent most of our time on games that tended towards having the descriptions of the various rooms being very fantastical and well described. You might have your dungeon with the exits described as like there is a key on the floor. You see mouse exits are south, east and west. But there might be a paragraph describing the dungeon room. And I know that uh, the two big ones that we played a lot were the Nightfall Mud mm-hmm. and Pater Mud, which it's weird that we discovered those two First, because they were both out of uh, German universities, but they were written in English. Yeah, and they were they were uh, actually I played Nightfall, and that was one where the rabbit kept kicking my ass. And <laughs> you you guys are more into Pater Mud. What was That's true. I mean, mine ours was like uh, kind of like a straight up fantasy. It was a um, Lord of the Rings ish type of you know you start out in the tavern in the town and you venture outside of the town. You can join you could join a guild uh, once you were you know a little bit more accomplished in there. You can have your own house and that sort of thing. Uh, and it was all text based. You know, you walk into your house. If you have a picture on the side, you you type in what the picture looks like. You know, so you would have to be pretty good in your descriptive skills in order to uh, to have a look, you know, have like a home and that sort of thing in there. But that's that was online gaming to us. Yeah, and and basically, like your options in the game were basically dependent on not only the words that you could think of for doing things, but the words that the programmers could think of for you know, because like you could sit there and type in you know all kinds of things you're going to do, and if it, and if the language wasn't you know wasn't there in the programming to understand what you were doing, it just basically said uh, try again or whatever the error yeah. message they gave you. I I so, do not I do not know what Nerf is. <laughs> you know. So like I mean, it was just kind of, some some of, some of the fun was actually figuring out what you could do and couldn't do two things and with things that you found throughout the game and so on and so forth. And I think one of the reasons why uh, Joel and Pat and I ended up playing more of Painter Mud is at least Joel and I uh, were made into wizards, which as opposed to like you think, oh, wizard, you've got to use magic and wear a robe and have a pointy hat. Wizard was different from a magic user. Wizard was like a moderator where you could actually affect the world. You could write new rooms. You could create quests. Uh, you could kick people off or instantly kill them. Give yourself God mode, that sort of thing. Yeah, I never hit that point, but I did play Nightfall with Suzanne, 
And like I said before, we actually have a uh, um, our name, if that exists somewhere. <laughs> uh, our names, our initials are carved on a tree somewhere out there, too, which is kind of neat. Back then, I mean, again, what do we know? Yours and Suzanne's, or did you put someone else's? No, it was, yeah, there's one with her name and somebody else and mine with my name and somebody else. That's <laughs> Were they your characters' names, or? No, it, I think it was our characters' names, but that was, Jesus, 25 years ago? I couldn't remember what my character's name was, so. But uh, we also had some tragedy in there, because we were talking about, um, while you do hear about addiction of online gaming, and you hear all these people that have been playing this game and never leave their house, and, uh, you know, that people losing their jobs and relationships over, we actually had a, uh, uh, what would you call him? I call him a a classmate and acquaintance. I'll leave his name out of it, but yeah. Yeah who wound up failing out of school because all he did was sit in the PC lab and play MUDs. I think he was on the short list of people who, I can't remember if he actually got an internet connection in his room or if he had to uh, move off campus, but I thought that he was able to actually play when he wasn't in the PC lab, too. Oh, wow. I I had an internet connection in my room. Yeah, so I think that the the guy we're talking about might have been uh, inside the first half dozen or people or so people who got the internet connection in his room, and he just used it to basically wreck his college career. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and now I look at like World of Warcraft, and I'm like, I could see that. You know, I could see that's very addictive. I mean, I I was in that. I was you know I was smacking up with that stuff too. But now I think about the muds, and I it blows my mind that we had somebody that we know somebody that. You know, jacked up their school life by uh, playing that all the time. Now, one of the other things that was cool about this is that when you would play, especially in the PC lab, everybody would be playing at the same time. And you would have me, Josh, Pat, and Joel, all of us playing, Susie in there, and we're all sitting next to each other, which was also kind of cool while playing together, too. So So moving forward to uh, the time where there are actually graphics, uh, one of the earliest would have been the Realm Online, or otherwise just known as the Realm on the Sierra Network. Mm -hmm. Now, I never played this one. This one? I did for... Go ahead. Oh, go, go ahead. ahead. No, you've no. got more experience with this than I did because there was an yeah, because I, 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 I was one of the very first ones ever to join this because I was a big you know Sierra nut. Um, when they were you know talking about they were going to open this up, we were all excited and everything. My dad and I both enjoyed their games and we got on there and you know it was it was more about um just kind of sharing of experiences. There was not not so much gaming at the very beginning. It was more about the the bulletin boards where you could just go and you could talk about how to win certain games. They did like walkthroughs and things like that and a lot of game designers would appear and you could ask them questions and stuff but it was never a real-time format kind of thing at the very beginning so we kind of lost interest in it before it got really good and that's when josh started doing it (laughs) well and i think the realm itself was the separate premium area of the sierra network and it had more of a dungeon keeper kind of first person i'm walking through the dungeon one step at a time right and they didn't have that right away and we didn't we got we grew impatient and, and canceled our membership before they got that out yeah in a lot of ways uh this was one of the very first what they would call graphical muds it would be a, a second generation online role-playing game after the muds being your first generation and it was it had turn-based combat which uh meant you weren't hosed if you had a poor internet connection because everybody was on dial-up then mm-hmm. <laughs> And it is definitely the first uh, virtual world of any kind to use instanced content. And what I mean by that, if you're not familiar with instances, is 
if I walk into a dungeon, they create a copy of the dungeon just for me and whoever's playing with me. And if somebody else is in the area, they might go into that dungeon. But when they hit the entrance, they'll get an instance or a copy of it that is separate from mine. So you don't have to worry about there being like 50 people all in, in the same couple of caves in the dungeon. You can have it alone for you and your party to kill all the monsters and take all the treasure. Yep. Nice. Yeah, and this has become super important when we're getting into modern uh, MMOs, which we'll talk about in the second half of the show. Without instances, it'd be utterly impossible to have any sort of dramatic, like, big boss fights that uh, you just want you and your team dealing with, mm-hmm. which is a big part of the game. <laughs> right. I mean, uh, we played uh, a modern RPG last night, and we'll talk more about that in the second half as well. But it, you could kind of see where an instance might have been useful from our experiences even yesterday, where there would be like six other guys running around killing the same stuff we're killing. Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, so after that, uh, wait, after that? 1991, Neverwinter Nights. Shows up on it. Really? Was that that early? Yeah. That's well, crazy. this is not the Neverwinter Nights that you're thinking of, most likely. No, no, no. I know which one this is. This is the one when the, in the gold box. Uh, no, this was only on AOL. Oh. Yeah. Well, then talk yeah. amongst yourselves. I'm going to find a picture of this stuff. <laughs> I was never on AOL. So. I remember this, and I wanted to uh, include it because it is a major part. I think uh, – I actually think this was – came. Excuse me, came out before the Realm Online because this is uh, credited as being the very first uh, MMO RPG with graphics, which I thought was pretty interesting. Hmm. Yeah, I only know it as the, the the game that came out. I didn't know it had a, an online MMO quality. Oh, and you know what? Mike's right. It did have a gold box. Yeah. Um, wow, Mike so gets to weird. be right. Yay! <laughs> that's where I'm a Viking. So I guess you had to buy the box for MS-DOS and connect through America Online, because I can see in the picture of the gold box here, in the center at the bottom, is the AOL logo. Yep. And that for the time, crazy. it looks it looks pretty dang cool, actually. Was that still on five and a quarter discs at that point? Oh, it had to have been. Oh, it might have been three and a half by 90s, because I, I got my first computer uh, that could do games, I want to say in 1991, and it had both a three and a half and a five and a quarter. Yeah, mine did too. All right. So then, um, well, I, in all honesty, 97 and 99, I have not played any of these. Ultima Online, EverQuest, RuneQuest. I didn't get into it until after the 2000s. So have you guys played Ultima Online? Uh, Ultima Online, I didn't play when it was popular. I remember that uh, one of our friends was going to be with us at Gen Con, Jay. Uh, he uh, uh, got into Ultima Online. And one of the interesting things about this is there was no instancing. And there was also nothing to prevent people from killing each other. So you could be in the middle of town and some like high-level warlock could walk up to you and notice, Corpor! And he'd use the Corpor spell and you'd die and he'd take all your stuff. That and- hardly seems nice. And that was one of the problems with it is you got to a point where if you weren't in an area where there were other high level players making sure that the PVP gankers and griefers weren't just wiping out the newbies, the newbies would walk out of town, they'd get killed by a high level player and they'd be like, this game is terrible and they'd stop playing. But somehow it survived. It had the first of its kind, like the people who are into player versus player, uh, they 
started to kill each other once they ran out of newbies to defenseless new players to kill. Mm -hmm. Uh, You could buy plots of land and build your own house on it, and then your house would be a permanent part of the world. Now, is Ultima Island, is that the one with Lord Garrett? Lord British. Lord British, yes. Um, yes. That Richard was Garriott. Richard Garriott, yeah. Uh, you'd like, you would like this story, Pat, this, where he got assassinated. Yep. They, he is uh, the creator of this game, and he has got a character and is out giving a speech to everybody. So he's out there giving his little speech, and somebody discovered that the PvP flag on him was up. So yeah. in, the, in the middle of the speech, a, a rogue like backstabs him <laughs> i'm pretty sure he was actually technically invincible to weapons but if i remember right they were able to destroy the bridge he was standing on and kill him through falling damage <laughs> <laughs> nice uh-huh. yeah. and if i recall because yeah. the guy who killed him was uh reigns a character r-a-n-z and I, if i remember right the snap reaction to it was to ban him <laughs> Yeah, it says um, that the Lord British postulate states, if it exists and is a living creature in an MMORPG, someone somewhere will try to kill it. Uh, Lord British was killed during an in-game appearance on uh, Ultima Online's beta test in 1997. It was uh, served during a stress test, and Reigns cast a spell called Firefield on Lord British that surprisingly killed him. Uh, and the whole thing was just human error. His character, like others, had been made invulnerable by, by design. The invulnerability did not persist, persist over several game sessions. So they set his flag to invulnerable, but forgot to check to see if it was still on when he started up. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, and I see he was a rogue, and he wasn't playing his mage, and he actually had a scroll of this fire spell that he cast on the bridge. That Now, so killed him, and uh, yeah, you were right. Everybody wanted to... Uh, to ban him, but I think I think it even was uh, Garrett was wasn't pleased, but I think he did say that uh, it was you know it was his mistake. You know? Yeah, I mean the guy you know guy got gotcha. you. Know? Yeah, there's even a screenshot of uh, Lord British standing in the fire field. Yep, and uh, at, after Lord British was killed, fellow Ultima Online developer Star Long, uh, known in game as Lord Blackthorn. Summoned some demons who started to attack innocent bystanders, and this led to beta testers protesting both the indiscriminate killing and the banning of the assassin. So, so apparently, uh, Lord Blackthorn got all panty wadded and sicked a bunch of demons on everybody. So. Yeah, and it looks like the only reason his invulnerability flag was uh, down was because he had to manually set it when he logged on, and the server had just crashed before, and he forgot to turn it back on. Yep, that's crazy. Yeah. So, uh, EverQuest. Comes out in 1999. EverQuest was just a game changer. Like, uh, you could see the difference between the graphics in Ultima Online that looked like the RPGs at the time. And EverQuest is this fully 3D, uh, incredible RPG. Yep. The, I mean, the graphics in it were a huge step up from the two-dimensional. There were, th- this is the, the birth of the 3D MORPG, where you can rotate the camera around and you can walk in a uh, an extra plane instead of just being able to go left and right on the screen. You can go, you know, be able to adventure and search out different locations in there also. Uh, it also had the first appear or the first common appearance of several features that would 
be found in pretty much every other game after like the action bar where you've got all of your different abilities uh, from left to right in little boxes and you could either click the boxes or hit the key that was associated with the box on your keyboard in order to use whatever talent or ability that was. Mm -hmm. And they also uh, had the uh, beginning of the class uh, categorization coming in where you had the tanks and the damage dealers, the DPS uh, and uh, casters and that sort of thing, where if you wanted to do an instance or something in this, you had to be sure that you had everybody to cover all the different sides that would, uh, you know, you needed someone to attract the attention of the monster. You needed someone to heal the fighters. You had needed someone to do a lot of damage while the fighter was, attra- you know, keeping him uh, reined in and that sort of thing. And it, this, I think, was a large um, step in the right direction of there being more strategy Sure. It almost became like positions on the team where you've got the tank has the most hit points in the armor and their entire job is just make sure the monster punches me and just me. Yep. Then the healer obviously is mostly healing the tank, but in case DPS gets tagged by something, they got to make sure that DPS. It's funny. I just throw that acronym out because I'm used to it. DPS stands for damage per second. It's uh, your wizards, your warlocks. Uh, your rogues yep. that do the highest amount of points of damage per second. So that's just been shortened to uh, call them DPS. And uh, the DPS, their whole job is to make sure that they hold back until the tank has the monster's full attention and then f- basically shoot it till it dies or yep. stab it till it dies if you're a melee DPS. Stab, 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 stab. <laughs> was, this the fir- was this the first game that... Um- did the whole, like, anything you could interact with would glow when you moused over it? When did that start? Uh, I can't remember seeing it before this, but I'd be uncomfortable saying it was for sure the first. Um, this is another one where I ha- didn't have an account of my own, but uh, I had played on friends' accounts, and I just thought it was the coolest thing ever. But at the time, uh, I don't think I had a credit card, and you needed one to uh, get pay the monthly fee. This was uh, one of the first ones that demanded a subscription fee from a huge number of s- subscribers. How much was it back then? I want to say it was $15 a month, which became kind of the standard. Yeah. Their subscription numbers uh, were, uh, I'm trying to say, at the peak were over 225,000 players, which now doesn't seem like a big deal. uh, But at the time, it was kind of unheard of for an online game. Yep. It also had a a face to the game with uh, Fiorona V. Was the that blonde that was on the cover of every single one of the uh, boxes? Oh yeah, she's like a sorceress with like a blonde top ponytail, and she's usually got like a blue bikini kind of robe thing. Yep. So she was the like the uh, I want to say face, but it's like I'm looking at the box covers, and she's on just about every single one of them. So she's kind of like the the big quest guider, you know, the main character of the uh, the games, one who shows up, that sort of thing. Yeah, she's like the iconic character. Yep. So. Now, RuneQuest. RuneQuest has a weird history. 2001. Yeah. Um, RuneQuest is a 3D fantasy game. Uh, it Wait, on- no, RuneScape. RuneQuest is something totally different. Wait, well, it says RuneQuest in here. Okay, RuneScape. RuneQuest is cool, too. We'll talk about <laughs> it later. <laughs> yeah, RuneQuest wasn't even uh, a computer game. That was like a pen and paper RPG. Which was good. So, RuneScape. Um, kind of a step backwards graphically. 
but it was a browser game? Right. So you didn't have a client program or something you bought from a box that you'd install on your computer and like connect through the internet. Instead, you just load up your web browser. And in Java, you'd have your MMORPG. Mm-hmm. In fact, uh, what's the the CPU? Uh, 500 megahertz will let you be able to play RuneScape. <laughs> so, wow. Yeah, if you have 128 mega RAM, you are doing good. Uh, suggested for the most awesome RuneScape uh, is 256. So, yeah, it's not very low uh, specs on this. And I think this is why it got so popular, is because it it didn't require a lot of processing. You didn't need a huge computer that could crank out the 3D images like uh, EverQuest was. You, you could play this in your browser and not, you know, not have a real problem with running it, is my guess. That's at least my take on why it got so popular. But um, it seems like a lot of people were playing this. And this is maybe the grindiest game possible. You had all of these skills that had this glacial pace of being improved one use at a time from cooking to sword skill to armor smithing. And uh, you just have to repeat these tasks over and over again, thousands of times in order to get your skill ranks up to competency. Yeah. And, uh, that sounds tedious. Oh, it really is. But people are like, well, it's free. So <laughs> yeah, what are you going to do? Uh, as of right now, it says that there's 240, 153, or 240 million, 153,489 uh, RuneScape accounts created. Wow. One of Got which them. was mine, and I played for like 20 minutes and then found something else to do. I played for a little bit. I, I didn't really get into this one, but I did try, like I did some quests. I worked on some skills. Yep. <clears throat> I found it very frustrating that all of the content seemed gated where I could either grind for hours and hours and hours or pay them real money mm-hmm. to shortcut that. It, it kind of felt, I don't know. It was the great granddaddy of pay to win. Yeah. Holy shit. Right now, there are 68,000 people online playing RuneScape. What? Wow. Wow. That's crazy. And like scamming on RuneScape was just like huge. A stealing accounts, stealing items, convincing people, oh, I've got a, a gold die. Give me your armor and I'll turn it gold. And then they'd run off with it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that was there. Were, and there was a lot of the, hey, I'll help you through this tough area and then let, follow me outside of town and I'll help you get through this area so you can get more gold XP. And then they'd take you out there and then they'd stab you. <laughs> Kill you and take all your stuff. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. This is why we can't have nice things. Yeah. And Literally, a lot of, we this is one of the uh, first games I can remember to have a huge amount of automated programs uh, used to cheat, which they call botting or macroing. Where a lot of people are like, well, I'm going to do this the freeway. I'm going to just grind out all my skills. But what if I didn't have to be at my computer? Oh, so dungeon leeching? Well, no, they'd actually load up a program which would play their character for them, repeating the tasks over and over and over again to farm gold and to improve their skills. Mm, Because that's fun. Yeah, well, a it's lot not so bad if you're not the one having to do it over and over again. You should come back and find out that your, your robot has taken all the tediousness out of it and you just got the gold well that's the thing it's like runescape i mean initially i went 2001 i was very much into consoles at that time so i was playing the dreamcast i was playing playstation uh one and that sort of things and i heard about runescape and i went on oh check out runescape click i'm just kind of like this isn't fun this is terrible it looked terrible and it a bunch of idiots running around so but 
It's just like life. Yeah. Pretty, terrible, a bunch of idiots running around. <laughs> yeah, and at the time, I, I can remember that the combat system felt really clunky and really slow. Just like two of these blocky-looking things swinging swords at each other with these crude animations. And they kind of just clunk into the other blocky guy. And at the time, the graphics on everything else weren't great, but these were just pretty bad. Yep. So uh, is that then? Yeah, I think uh, we pretty much covered the online role-playing games from text to uh, Getting graphics. Getting graphics, yeah. So, uh, uh, oh, yeah, when, when we come back, we'll uh, talk about uh, some of the new ones uh, post-2002 like 2002 to present era, and we'll talk a little bit about the game the three of us. Uh, we put in, what, about four or five hours last night? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. And I know I'm, I know there's a way to find out how many hours I've put into World of Warcraft, but I really don't want to know. <laughs> oh yeah, we'll we'll talk about that because yeah, WoW eight several of the best years of my thirties. Yeah. So all right, we'll be back in a little bit. Grinding, grinding, grinding. Hello, everyone. We are back, and we are going to talk about some MMOs, online role-playing games now, starting with Final Fantasy XI. Oh, wow. He navigated the uh, Roman numerals. <laughs> There's only two of them. I'm doing all right. <laughs> uh, this is one I actually played extensively, but I didn't know anybody else who played it. So I uh, got into this first. I want to say I was playing a rogue, and I didn't know. No, it was a thief, and I didn't know a thief was like the worst character to solo with. And I, I get out there, and I did all of the content you could solo, which wasn't actually all that much because you'd get to the spot very quickly where a single monster would just annihilate you, and the things you could kill didn't give you any experience. So you had to get into groups. So eventually I decided to go back and re-roll a character that was a little bit more popular for groups. So I got myself into a paladin and I ended up playing uh, with a lot of groups because paladins were good tanks. But the interesting thing about this game is there were no separate servers for both like Japanese or English speaking players. So you could end up in a group that uh, none of them spoke English. They might all be awesome, but you had to like crudely emote at each other in order to uh, communicate. And sometimes you get to a spot where a party would just, they'd know just enough English to say Japanese only, and they'd kick you out of the party. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, what, what kind of sucked about this game is that when you died, you could lose so much experience from a death that it would have been better if you just never logged on for the night. Like, you could level down in this game. I had heard it was pretty brutal, that there was there was a lot of, you know, character death and dying in this was just, I mean, a lot a reason for a lot of people that they just quit. Yeah, because the punishments were severe. You'd lose hours and hours and hours of progress with a single death. That is brutal. And some of the, like quests you had to do in order to improve your character. I found them frustrating 
because when you were at the minimum level to accept those quests and when you could get the most use out of the whatever it was, the special sword or the special armor for your class, you couldn't possibly do that on your own. You'd have to have a super high-level character basically babysit you through it and do it for you. Yeah, there there was – I heard there was a thing where you had to have – you, unless there was somebody that you knew that was at least ten levels ahead of you, you weren't able to get anywhere because they needed you needed to have that walkthrough on everything. Uh, one thing I did think was cool was their elemental system. If you got to know your class very well, you would r- realize that okay, if I use this ability, and two seconds later somebody else casts a fire spell, and after that the thief uses the poison dagger, you get this weird combo, and you get these awesome elemental screen effects that would do increasingly large multipliers on the damage. Yeah. So and. Um that played off a lot of the Final Fantasy games where you can where you could throw together combos with the you know it, they basically took it straight out of the regular single player RPGs. So, but um, this is kind of weird too because this had they were actually it had its own time scheme. Yep. And I know you then whereas whatever t- whatever o'clock it was in the real world was not equal to whatever o'clock it was in uh, that world, and people were actually selling clocks that would tell you what time it was in the game. So that way, if you had something going on or there was something that you knew would happen, you would be able to get there in time for it, which is kind of, oh, yeah. kind of strange. And a, a certain, like, rare monsters would only spawn at certain times in the game clock. And if you were the first one there, you could kill it. But often you would have people using those bot programs again to just log on at that time and try to be the first one to tag that monster so that they'd get the shot at whatever the rare loot the thing dropped was. Yeah, and now Final Fantasy has continued to the most recent Final Fantasy online is XIV. Yeah, 14. 14, there you go. See, two I'm okay with. Three, fuck it, I can't tell. So... (laughs) When you um, got to do so much ciphering. Yeah. So, and this was also kind of cool on on the Final Fantasy one because it was also playable on the PlayStation Two. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. That was one of the things that uh, sold a lot of the modems for the PlayStation Two to connect online. Yep. So you could play with uh, people on computers. I think well, I think it was crossplay also that you could play PC to PlayStation. Yeah. So back report came modem standard, I guess. Yeah, before online for consoles was really a thing, this was one of the first big pushes for that sort of thing. Yeah, poor poor Dreamcast. <laughs> you tried so hard. That dream. I still love my Dreamcast. My, it, you know, I played some games. People would come over. You're like, you want to play Dreamcast? Everybody's like, no. <laughs> yeah, what? Am I on candid camera? What? <laughs> Power Stone was fun. But look, we can play this fighting game where you can have a sword that's eight feet tall. <laughs> Yeah, that was that fighting game that you just mentioned, wasn't it? You suck. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so So, moving forward to 2003. Star Wars Galaxies. Uh, This one had a bit of a problem because in the putting together the logic in the background for the game, they were like, okay, becoming a Jedi is a really difficult thing. You have to level up. You know, not everybody's going to be a Jedi in the Star Wars movies and Star Wars mythos because there are this rare mythical uh, character that runs around. So therefore, they should make it in the Star Wars galaxies, make it really, really difficult to become a Jedi. Well, guess what? Nobody goes into Star Wars Galaxies wanting to play the, you know, Max Rebo. Yeah, wanting to be a merchant. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I should probably describe my character then. Uh Uh-oh. Well, yeah, unless you're the hardcore, hardcore RPG guy. Because my character... Because you probably based your character on Quark or something. No, it was... 
It's going to sound pretty lame, and honestly, it kind of was. I discovered oh, that there was a really interesting player-driven economy, and you could make pretty much anything, weapons, clothing, but you could also make player houses. But I realized that if I was going to make my fortune in the, this world, which was set in the time of the original trilogy, I was going to have to find my niche. I was going to have to do something nobody else was doing. Oh, so wait, wait, wait. Are you, are you going to tell us that you were a realtor? Oh, it isn't even that cool. I didn't make houses. I made walls to sell to the guys who made houses. No, so wait, so you played Star Wars Galaxies and you became a contractor. Yeah, basically I was this Twi'lek in an impeccably tailored suit who would sit in a bar and like watch uh, the dancing girls and watch the musicians. And I'd sit there and I'd make walls. And then I'd go and I'd put the walls on the open market. And I'd go back to the bar, and I'd make more walls. And then I'd run out to my automatic collecting stations uh, that had been running for several days real time, and I'd get more materials, and then I'd go back to the bar, and I'd make walls. So you went into a fantasy space-traveling world, and your fantasy is to work. (laughs) Apparently. (laughs) I got a job, I don't even know what to say. Yeah, I, I actually, that might, that's one of the nerdiest things I've ever heard. I, I had one combat skill. I was okay with a sniper rifle, but I, I didn't have any of the other combat skills trained up. So a c- couple of times I went along with buddies who actually had combat-capable characters. I'd just be in the back, like, well in, out of the range of danger, plinking away with my extremely expensive sniper rifle because I had millions and millions of credits. So I had the best weapons money could buy and no combat skills to speak of, except I had a few points in sniper rifle. That's the saddest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah, that's up there. That's down. So, yeah, that was my Star Wars Galaxies experience. And, uh, uh, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, their solution to keep the Jedi population down, because, of course, Vader had killed just about all of them, was to make the process to become Force-sensitive so incredibly obscure and difficult that nobody at all, across all the servers, the hundreds of thousands of players, nobody figured it out in several, like, the first few years of the game. Yeah, that was... How, How many Jedis are there currently? Well, this was a problem. And this was the first of many missteps, which ended up wrecking the game. First, they realized nobody's figuring out how to become a Jedi, and it's pissing everybody off. So they started dropping these items called holocrons, which would give you clues. And it turned out that the way to become a Jedi was you would have to take some of the profession skills, and you'd have to master a certain number of professions and raise all of their skills to maximum level. Then drop that profession and learn a new one in a specific order and then raise all of those skills to a new level. Once you'd done all of the professions in this specific order, you'd unlock the ability to learn to become a Jedi. Damn. So even once you knew how to do it, you'd gotten enough of the little clue holocrons. It still took months to do it. But once the first person figured out the combination, it got up on the Internet. And within however many months it took to grind through the process, there's just fucking Jedi running around everywhere. And now anybody who actually cares about the world of Star Wars is like, this is ridiculous. You've got Vader standing there looking all badass. And there's like six guys running around with lightsabers. Oh, I'm a Jedi. 
So this uh, caused them to basically completely reboot the game and change the way that skills worked, the way the combat system worked, and they relaunched it with the new game experience, which basically made Star Wars Galaxies almost a completely different game. And I believe that your character's progress from before new game experience didn't carry over, so it basically made everybody start over again. Which everybody loves. Yeah, so you have three major mistakes right in a row. And this game also had some weird stuff. Like, if you wanted to go from place to place on a particular planet and you didn't have, like, a speeder bike, you had to wait for a shuttle. And when I say wait for a shuttle, I don't mean, like, you go to the instance and you walk into the shuttle portal. I mean, you had to stand where the shuttle came and wait until the shuttle showed up and then step onto it. Oh my Jesus! That's a that's a lot of fun role playing right there. So yes, while that, I wasn't that, making, that reminds me of that great role playing game bus stop. That's what I was saying. Is like when I wasn't making walls in the bar, I was waiting for the bus. <laughs> so you had a you had a very mundane life in the Star Wars universe. Live yes. the dream, man. Live the dream. <laughs> So stepping out of Star Wars, uh, you're gonna be the guy that like is in the you know playing the Sims and like you want to go to work with him. Oh, like, yeah. I'm sending my guy to work. I want to go. Ah, oh, my guy's back from work. He needs to play D and D. Let's see. I'll, <laughs> I'll buy the D and D set. <laughs> so in 2004, 2006, it got a little superheroish with City of Heroes and uh, City of Villains getting released. Um, I played City of Heroes for a little while, and it, it was it's goofy fun. Um, you get to customize your character, you get to choose your powers, get to choose your costume, and it it's you, you, you literally is a city of superheroes. So it's while you, you imagine that, you know, you think of that, uh, that parody of where uh, you're walking down the street and there's like this one battle going on over here and another battle going over here. Someone's robbing a bank over there. And that's, that's what City of Heroes was. <laughs> um, Whereas I only ever played City of Villains. Yeah. And I was a guild leader in City of Villains. Our, our guild. Oh, I thought maybe you were a chimney sweep. <laughs> no, in this one, uh, I, I was a mastermind. I was like a Bond villain uh, where I would be able to summon a bunch of henchmen. And the, our guild name, we were the Emos, E M O S, the Evil Men of Science. Every single character in the guild had to have as their character name Dr. Something or Professor Something. And part of your villain costume had to be a lab coat. That's awesome. <laughs> so, yeah, we had, like, a guy who was, like, Dr. Monkey, and all he was was this big bruiser who looked like a gorilla, and he had glasses and a lab coat. <laughs> so, yeah, that one was a lot of fun. And you could also create your own villainous lair where all of the, like, r- banks you robbed and uh, kidnappings you took place in, whatever, uh, would gr- generate this extra kind of currency for your evil organization, and you could actually build an evil base. Hmm. That was sweet. Um, D&D Online. All of us have played this one. Pat, you remember playing this? No. I played it with you, so I know you did. Okay. So Yeah, it was set in the world of Eberron. Oh, that's, that strikes a chord. Yeah, and it was more of an action RPG. I'd say so, yeah. There's definitely an action element to the, the combat. Yeah, you whereas you didn't when this one you didn't hit the number keys to trigger your abilities. You had two main abilities that were assigned to your left and right mouse buttons. 
So you could click that. You also would use a number of keys for some other things, but most of your combat, like magic missile or fireball and that sort of thing, was all hooked up through the mouse. Uh, a little bit more active, a lot more running around. It wasn't so much of the uh, chaining combos or chaining, uh, you know, making your chain on you know what uh, abilities you were hitting off. It was there was a lot of dodging and running around uh, from the different creatures. I played this for a little while. It is free to play. And uh, the cool thing about it is that you can buy actually buy modules for it. So if you are a, a gamer, you know, you're playing this, you can buy a module and allow four of your other players to join you in the module, and you can have the instance. So it kind of runs like, like D&D, where you would buy, get the rule book for free, but if you want to play this extra stuff, it costs you like, it's like maybe 20 bucks or something for a module that to allow other players to play with you. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's a good game. For free, it's amazing. And... Uh, you know that's I, but I I played it. Haven't gone back in a while. There's also uh, Lord of the Rings Online, which I tried playing for a little while and really didn't get into. Even though it's set in the Lord of the Rings world, just wasn't. Uh, I don't know. I think I think part of it was like that, like you said, with the Darth Vader and the Jedi thing. It's like you have this kind of expectation of what Lord of the Rings world is supposed to be like, and then you've got a you know a naked elf runs by. Yeah, I think <laughs> both of these games suffered from similar problems where they wanted to encourage you to pay real money for stuff so the actual experience was fairly boring but you're able to get to the good stuff if you coughed up some cash and i just i didn't like that uh warhammer online felt that way to me too yeah war uh, warhammer I, I never got to warhammer online so yeah i tried each of these free to play but with premium content unlocks and they're fun for a few hours i, I probably played two or three hours a night for a couple weeks until I got bored. Uh, yeah. I'd also say Age of Conan was kind of like that too, where it was fun, but like the good stuff, uh, they wanted to, you to pony up some cash for it. Yeah, and then and then if you want all the good stuff, then it's like, you know what, you might as well just be paying a uh, subscription, you know, because you buy, you buy, you know, one module and you, you finish that in an evening. Well, then next month rolls around, you want to play something else. So you're buying a new module for 20 to 15 bucks uh, a month as they release them. So you might as well be, you know, paying the 15 a month and playing the juggernaut. So yeah, which, either that or you are just running the same dungeons over and over and over again and then logging into your second character and running them over and over again to get mm -hmm. enough gold pieces to buy the module with in-game currency. Yeah. So, uh, 2004, uh, online gaming had a bit of a shift. Yeah, you could say that. Uh, that's when World of Warcraft came out. Uh, I started up in... My name is Michael, and I <laughs> was addicted to World of Warcraft. Started up right before... During Vanilla, but right before uh, Dark Portal. Okay. So, I started like May... I want to say Dark Portal came out like November, December, I think. And I started up that summer. I uh, actually uh, had a World of Warcraft account from the closed alpha Ooh. all the way until uh, three months into the release of uh, Mists of Pandaria, which was like two years ago, I think. Yeah, that's because like two expansions War ago now? It's one expansion ago now. Okay. I, I have not gotten the newest one, Warlords of Draenor, but uh, yeah, this, this game consumed a heck of a lot of my life and... Uh, at the beginning, it was just like they took everything from all of these other games we've talked about and was like, okay, what is the most fun about these games? Okay, mm -hmm. we're stealing that and we're polishing it as only we can. All right, what are the things that everyone says, yeah, this kind of sucks, but you got to do it? 
Okay, these are that list. Okay, we're cutting them out of our game, and it's not going to be there. Yep. And the other thing that it had going for it was all of us played Warcraft in college. Sure. So we were like, oh, World of Warcraft, you know, Zug Zug, we know, you know, stop touch, stop touching me. That I mean, we all, I mean, God, how many hours did we put in just into Warcraft, the uh, RTS? Sure. So they were taking a world that all of us knew and loved and were like, hey, you know, let's make it that you can actually be in this game. And I actually down, I have a, a copy of PC Gamer from 2003 showing the pre-release images of World of Warcraft and talking about what it was going to be before it released. And uh, yeah, I played, let's see, go to work. I started playing it when I was working at Potbelly. So I'd go to work, work till 10 o'clock, get home, log on by 10.30, and then play till 2, 3 o'clock in the morning? Sure. Yeah. When uh, my wife and I both really got into this game and we got pretty well known on our PvP server, uh, we got into what's called raiding. And raiding is the hardcore end game content where you're almost like – it's almost like being on a professional sports team where everyone has their roles. They're expected to perform at the absolute highest possible level. And we were competing to be some of the first teams on the server to defeat the big bosses and take their stuff. And yeah. we would play seven days a week, uh, three of those nights from 7 p.m. until uh, the raid got called, which would usually be between 1030 and midnight would be our actual raid nights where we would go into the instance with our 25-person teams and we'd be on voice chat and we'd kill all of the lesser monsters that would be on a, like a one-hour respawn timer. And then you'd get to the boss and someone would explain the strategy that uh, as they've learned it and we'd do attempts to get it down knowing we were all going to die. And in a night, we might uh, kill the first or second boss and you'd get two or three pieces of loot, and then that boss would be dead for the week. And you give the pieces of loot out to the people who could use it best, and each week those bosses, those early bosses, get just a little easier, and you get just a little further. Mm -hmm. And the other four nights a week, we were expected to buy or create all of our items, our healing potions, our food that we would eat before an encounter to give ourselves a buff to damage or whatever. And uh, yeah, for a long time, we were a part of the second uh, second highest ranked horde guild on the PvP Laughing Skull server, which is actually the server that Leroy Jenkins was from. <laughs> Leroy Jenkins! Yeah, the, the Laughing Skull in a lot of ways was World of Warcraft's wretched hive of scum and villainy. And uh, for a long time, I was the third or fourth most geared warlock on the server that was my main an orc warlock see i played a lot of pve uh which if you don't it's player versus environment well this is pve i almost never did pvp when i oh. say s second or third place i mean i had the best gear on the server aside from two or three other people okay okay yeah i did i i never did got into pvp uh i love running the instances which again is what we said is like that special area you go into where just your group could go in and um the team that we had was a bunch of people that i worked with at potbelly at the sandwich shop and suzanne started playing with me so she was she was in there we formed a guild called the uh, Scarred Hand, 
because all of us, most of us, were uh, worked at Potbelly Sandwiches and at one point or another had sliced our hand open with one of the bread knives. Because huh. <laughs> we're fine. Like, the commuting thing across all of us is that all of us have scars on our hands from where we cut our hands open uh, while making sandwiches. So that'll remember that next time you go get a sandwich. Um, so did you guys pretty much do the five-man dungeons? Yeah. We oh, okay. never, yeah, we never got as far as raiding, but I mean, there were I mean, there was a lot of babysitting in the initial start because I know that when I kicked in, started playing, uh, one of the top levels was like a forty five fifty, and he would try to like walk me through the badlands, and I was dying like every five seconds, you know, type of thing, and then he had to go back get get go back to your body, res yourself, now just run like hell as he fought off anything that was trying to kill you because the way this thing a World of Warcraft worked is there's a thing called aggro, and the weaker you are, the bigger your aggro radius is because the monsters are like, hey, I can eat that. And so I was literally running through one area with, like, this horde of crocodiles chasing after me. (laughs) And just all I had to do was get past that gate, and they would turn around and go back. But it was, you know, they were a lot faster than me. But, um... (laughs) No, yeah. Su- Susie and I played for a long time together. I mean, we by when we quit, we both had uh, 70s. So, okay. I, I know the era you would have quit in. Yeah, so, and because there was a reason, you know, at that at one point, we're like, we're paying 30 bucks a month for this game. We got to the point where we couldn't. Sure. You know, that was a lot of money for, for us then. Yeah, and uh, you guys played on a PvE server, I believe, right? Yeah. Whereas, like, I didn't do a whole lot of PvE, a PvP where I'm actually attacking other players. I was on a PvP server where if you were in the opposing faction's lands, they could attack you at any time. Yeah. And that, so that was sometimes fun. Sometimes. Other times it was just like I didn't realize where I was and got my ass kicked. It's like, oh, yeah. Just I, like I, life. I recall being on one of my lower level characters and caught in an area where there'd be like six or seven higher level guys pounding on me. And I'd call out uh, the guild and and we'd have this big war of like 20 guys on each side. Uh, Eventually, uh, I want to say around the time the uh, what was the frozen was it the frozen throne? Uh, the uh, Lich King. Yes, Lich King expansion. Uh, I actually took up the mantle of guild leader for the for the Ooh, guild. I'm sorry. Oh, and it was very stressful. It was uh, one of the hardest jobs I've ever had, trying to manage 30, 40 different personalities, all of the drama, all of the egos, uh, and I probably wasn't hard enough on them. Most of the most successful guild masters I've had for the highly competitive guilds were real uh, they're basically dicks i mean if you weren't uh performing they'd be like stop sucking get the fuck out of my raid yep and they'd kick you for the night they'd be like you're on the bench uh i don't know what's wrong with you tonight but fix it because uh we're we're, you're in the best of the best and you can't play like this if you want to roll with this team and you either got better or you just didn't get to play and i probably was not aggressive enough to enforce that sort of discipline on the team. We still managed to kill some of the heroic bosses in the 25 man content under my reign. But uh, I remember eventually I had to pass leadership because it was stressing me out. It was the most stressful thing in my life at the time. Wow. And then speaking of stress, Eve online, (laughs) I, I played that for about an hour and a half. And then I realized I was doing math. It's it's how to how to make a spreadsheet fun. Yeah, 
that's and there's a uh, is I mean the learning curve on this is kind of like uh, Mount Kilimanjaro. It's just get ready for it. Yeah, you definitely do have to because Eve Online at its core is a game about piloting spaceships. And what do you do with that spaceship? Well, the answer to that question depends on uh, what you want to do. Do you want to be you a pirate? Obviously. Yes. Well, actually, I, I chose one of the more boring, you might say, uh, career paths. I, uh, Did you build doors? I, I was not a crafter in this game. I didn't build anything. Uh, I, I was playing an archaeologist hacker where I would take these little scout ships and I'd go and find like derelict stuff that I could scan for valuable stuff and I'd salvage it and I'd go and I'd sell that. What was What's cool about that is you're out exploring unexplored space with hostile stuff that can blow you up because you're not a combat ship. All you've got is like these advanced sensor arrays mm. and uh, extra range and extra sensitivity. And you never know whether you're going to find a cache in this a blown up spaceship graveyard that's worth millions of credits or whether you're going to find nothing or if somebody else is going to get to it just a second before you and take everything of value. But like if somebody decides they're going to show up and blow up your scout ship, you probably don't have the combat skills and you certainly don't have the weapons or shields to stand up to them. So it feels almost like being a rogue or a thief where you're like sneaking around and stealing all the stuff and exploring things, seeing parts of the galaxy that nobody else gets to see. That was the appeal to me of being that sort of character rather than being a pirate or being a military commander or anything. And one of the cool things about EVE Online is that it, I think it runs on like one server, like runs where everybody's playing at the same time type of thing. Yes. The galaxy is massive. Yes. So you will wind up, look, just search EVE Online space battles and it looks like all out war. I mean, hundreds of... It's insane how how cool it looks. I mean, it's... Yeah, I mean, it's just the amount of ships, and you, you've you got everything from, like, the size of an X-Wing fighter zipping around there to these gigantic behemoth, like, world destroyer ships. Yes, and, and those world destroyers, in order to make one of them, it's the combined efforts of a whole corporation, which might be dozens of players spending months to uh, make the corporation have all of the appropriate parts and credits to craft one of those things. Mm-hmm. So there and, is, and one player is responsible for piloting that thing after everybody builds it? Oh, yeah. Wow. Yep. Uh, and those things, they can create, like, portable warp gates so that they could go into a spot and they can open a gate and all of the fighter ships come screaming out of it. And it looks so cool. I wish I had the attention span to play that. But uh, all The other thing about EVE Online is your skills train whether you're logged in or not. Yes. Which means at the higher levels, you'll set your skills to training and then you log back on in six days because it's going to be six days before you gain another point in that skill. Yep. That is pretty cool. I do like that Mm. idea. Yeah. So, uh, Pat, I put this one in here for you. Age of Conan. Uh, Oh, I've actually seen screenshots of this game. I remember when it came out, I, I did consider starting to play it. Yep. Conan and boobies. Yeah, it was unique in that it had a lot more gore and some nudity. Um, I played this one a little bit after it went free to play. It was okay. Uh, I thought what what was neat is if you wanted to do the main quest line, you were in the daytime version of the world. But you could go into the inn and go to sleep, and there would be a nighttime version of the world, which was all solo content. Yeah. Huh. So that was pretty cool. You'd be sneaking around the the streets of the Melbourne cities. 
Yep. So you got Interesting. that. Interesting. Yeah. You might you might like that, Pat. Then there was Rift. Did either of you play Rift? I played it for a little bit. Yeah, me too. Uh, this was kind of cool because they had world events where you would be out there do, running around doing your quests, that sort of thing, and then suddenly you hear this announcement that you know one of the obviously part of the game is these rifts in time and rifts in space would appear, and peop- these creatures are attacking us through these rifts. So you're in the middle of this field running across trying to get however many duck bills that you need to make somebody happy or whatever it is you're doing and you hear you know the warning something is happening in this area and you look over and there is this cloud and like a lightning gap in the sea in the in the sky opening up and then cthulhu shows up (laughs) and everyone and they're like he's gonna start kicking ass if we don't stop him type of thing and then everybody that's in that area just jumps on and tries to take him down and i was in a couple battles where easily there were 200 people trying to take down the you know whatever it is and it, it's pretty funny because everybody falls into their role when you're playing and there's like this you know they've got this big badass monster in the very middle and on whatever direction he's facing is just this like half moon of tanks guys in huge armor just beating the crap out of him kind of keep his attention and behind him is this half moon of rogues and uh the high dps characters stabbing him and stuff and then on the outside ring of it are the healers just chucking heal spells in there and it was pretty cool um it was free to it was kind of free to play yeah it eventually this is another one like all these games came out and tried to challenge world of warcraft had an awesome launch maybe a good first year and then just couldn't get people to pay the monthly fee so they went free to play yep and it's going free to play isn't bad it's just there's just a it the, those games these games seem to be missing a little bit of polish it seems mm-hmm. like um uh, skipping forward, let's skip the Star Wars Old Republic. It's pretty much like Star Wars Galaxies, except set before. Uh, the other thing I just want to say a, a couple words about this is Star Wars The Old Republic is unique in that it's got the finest writing of any of these. Like, usually there's not a whole lot of story, but Star Wars The Old Republic, if you're playing your class and race combination, whether you're Sith or whether you're Old Empire, you have a really interesting story to play through. So it's worth it for that. Cool. Yeah, if you're into the the mythos of pre uh emperor star wars type stuff this is definitely that would be a good one for you um i'll jump around here secret world josh and i played i played with suzanne for a little while kind of like the illuminati uh there was a green the jade dragon clan so yeah so it's modern day urban fantasy where like all of the myths and conspiracy theories and legends are all true simultaneously Yes. Oh wow! So you've yeah. got you've got the um, Illuminati working on, or not the Illuminati, the, uh, the with the Red Cross, the White Shield, with the, uh, Knights Templar. Yeah, the Knights Templar. You know, making sure that these demons aren't taking over the Earth at the same time as the Jade Dragon is making sure that you know these uh, Oni aren't breaking free. But then there's this town with zombies in it. And you have to get in, get your get in there and figure out what the hell's going on and shut it down. And it's kind of like almost an X Files type feeling to it. Yeah, uh, th- there's a lot of like the whole conspiracy meets wizardry and dark magic. I also found some of the quests were interesting because it wasn't just the standard go here, kill 12 of these and take their stuff and bring it back to me. You might have to do research on art history because you need to know the name of a painting because it's some dude's password to his laptop and you have to break into his laptop. Yep. And that's, and that's, you know, you, I like that. There's, you know, having to uh, dig in there and search stuff out and learn, learn about stuff to be able to play the game well. Um, I played the Neverwinter for a while. I still do every now and then. Um, 
Neverwinter is based out of the D&D world of Neverwinter, where you get creatures such as the uh, Tiamat, which <laughs> was the which was the last expansion for it. Now I think it's Neverwinter Elemental Evil. So it's the uh, so well, the the Temple of Elemental Evil is the big dungeon in this one now, I believe. Uh, but in the one previous from last year, it was literally you had to go to team together and take down Tiamat, which, if you don't know, is a five-headed uh, mother of all dragons. Very frightening. Big badass. But, um, again, it's more of an action RPG where, like, that the... Uh, uh, what was the other one that we talked about? The... Uh, D&D Online had that, some of that? Yeah, where you, you fire with the mouse keys and use a little bit of the buttons to... Uh, trigger it but there's you can also do cool actions and that sort of thing you would have like an energy bar a, a, a stamina bar that would allow you to do specific uh skills at certain time just kind of like you could in D, where you're only able to do one specific action once a day you know like a paladin would be able to heal everybody in his team but only once in a you know a quote-unquote daytime uh day window of time in the uh, game itself so the newest game on our list is Wildstar, which uh, I know I played. You played a little bit too, Mike? Yeah, I did. And I loved it. I love the graphics of it. Yeah, it's like this mashup of cowboys and super advanced sci-fi. And it's another one that has a lot of action elements. Every attack that any monster can do, there'll be a spot on the ground that's going to show where it's going to land. And as the telegraph uh, shape on the ground fills up, once it's full, that attack's going to fire. And you could dodge out of the way so long as you avoided being wherever that attack was. Yeah, and there's the uh, exiles and the dominion. So you've got everything from giant dragon creatures to uh, cyber, cyber zombies. Or uh, little psychotic mice that are like mad scientists. Yeah, and then of course bunny girls because yep. yeah, uh, because space. Um, it's a lot of fun. I mean, the class is warrior, spell slingers, kind of like a uh, a piss, uh, like a gun a, a gunslinger that shoots magic. Mm-hmm. Uh, espers, um, stalkers are the like the rogue, stealthy, and then there's of course medic and uh, engineer. Engineers have the ones who have, you know that wow that guy's got a grenade launcher type of thing. So. You it's can make fun. your own houses in this one, but they don't allow you to sit in a bar and make walls. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so who wants to play that? Yeah, really. Yeah, so be. we want to talk a little bit about Guild Wars 2, which is a, what we were all playing last night. Yes. I, I, I honestly think Guild Wars right now on MMORPG is the number one or number two game in the rankings. And what I like about it is it's, it, uh, if you buy it at Target, it's like 40 bucks, but you get the whole game. Yeah, no there, monthly fee. Yeah, no monthly fee, no subscription, and it's this is just as polished as World of Warcraft. I have, to, I think so. Uh, Mike and I have been talking a lot, a little uh, about this stuff since we played more of these than Pat has. But Pat had his first experience with the modern MMO last night with us, so I'm sort of curious as to your perspective on the game. Yeah. Um, gorgeous, obviously. Um, the gameplay is is pretty cool. The the biggest problem that I have with it, honestly, was I just I I just physically kept like getting lost with my character. Like I'd I'd be trying to get into the battle. Next thing I know, I'm running away from the battle. And I'm like, what the hell happened? How did I how did I get turned around? What you know? So I mean, I, I think that would be just something that that like you know because I'm not playing any of these games, it's very non intuitive to me to like be trying to do you know hit like four different buttons to just just move around and look around. So I would have to get used to that before I really got to the you know to the point of not getting nauseous running around. Yeah, the control scheme is it does take there's a little bit of learning on how to how to uh, use it, especially if you've been doing the uh, WASD 
uh, yeah. style of control. Because I was doing that with my left hand, and I was using the mouse on with my right hand to like move the camera around. So like, I, so I would be running, and like you know, the view would be going up and down and up and down, and I'd be like, oh Jesus. <laughs> yeah, and we all know how you are on that sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. But other than that, other than that, it was. I mean, like you know, the the battles were were pretty. You know, I mean, pretty chaotic. Honestly, I mean, I, I think that's just kind of the standard thing. I I just I don't know. Um, I don't like how. It, just, it was just hard to tell what I was hitting. I was just swinging wildly. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it, it felt a little, you know, I mean, this is going to sound goofy to say it felt a little unrealistic in that aspect. You know, I mean, I'm playing an eight foot tall, you know, fucking Nordic albino, but I'm worried about realism, you know? Sure. <laughs> but like the whole fact that you can't hit anybody in your party when you're swinging this giant sword around in a way kind of in my opinion, takes away from the combat because you don't, I mean, you just, I just sta- stood there and just kept hitting one and two and one and two, not even worried about, you know, any kind of strategy. Do I need to worry about it? Am I swinging the sword and hitting one of my compatriots or anything? There's a little, that was a little odd, but other, you know, I mean, it was still just fun. I mean, and that's the most important thing. Yeah. And that's, that is um, something that I think a lot of, I mean, you want to have that re- realism where you've got to watch out for, you know, you know, watch out for your friends. You can't cast this without accidentally nuking everybody else type of thing. But I think w- the fun part is where that would that would kill it. Right, exactly. I mean, that would that, that would definitely bog down the combat and take away from the fun factor ho- horribly. Yeah. I mean, so. if, if every time every time you go to combat, you have to worry about where everybody's positioned and worry about friendly fire and you know accidentally nicking your you know your compatriots in the throat while you're swinging your sword around. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, especially when you're you're worried enough that the warrior's not just going to fall off a cliff. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> yeah, we we did uh, get a little bit of a YouTube video which we actually previewed before this episode even uh, is going up. Of uh, we were trying to get on top of a roof because one of the things that you can collect in Guild Wars 2 is these vistas. Uh, you'll get a little bit of experience for reaching a hard-to-get-to location and getting a cool view of the surrounding area. Well, Mike and I made our couple of jumps and walked up some beams, and we're both standing on top of the uh, building, and then Pat is on the spot where you got to jump. and Well, you'll have to see the video. It uh, didn't yeah. go well. It only took me three times. Yeah, it was to get on the roof. Yeah, (laughs) and then once you were on the roof, there was a lot of the I'm trying to walk up and I mean, how do you how do you walk normally nowadays? I mean, do you have that kind of a problem that you're like randomly falling? I can see my feet when I'm walking. You can't see your feet when you're playing an an MMO. Just change the camera so you look at your feet. Well, that's true. I guess I didn't think about that. (laughs) That would be too easy. So. But yeah, so you dug it though. Yeah, yeah. I actually went on and played uh, for a little bit by myself this afternoon. Oh, nice. very cool. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The original Guild Wars was had some of the kind of content we did with Guild Wars Two, but was more focused on building a character to fight other characters, all about PvP. Where this one decided, okay, we're going to have a PvP arena, but it's not going to be the focus of the game necessarily if that's not what you want. Does it? Is anybody in any of these games have like a? Like a, a button you could you could flip that would say I'm available for PvP at any point. Oh and yeah. And like you could run into that person and fight them in the middle of the town square when nobody else could fight each other. Yeah, some some games do have that. Uh, certain server types on World of Warcraft, you could flag yourself for PvP. Hmm. Or there are controlled environments where you might be doing a capture the flag battleground, where in the capture the flag you can kill anyone who's not on your team. 
Interesting. Well, what about like if, if they do those things? Is there like do you automatically have to fight anybody that challenges you, or could you turn down a challenge? Like if you're a level twenty and you've got that on, and a level eighty comes along and he's like, "Let's fight," you could be like, uh, "No." Well, uh, that would be like dueling, where it's like one-on-one challenges, and those you can turn down. But in a battleground or an arena, you would be matched against someone who ha- is the same level as you. Oh, okay. And I'm pretty sure that sort of capture the flag style battleground, there is something like that in the higher levels if we stick with uh, Guild Wars 2. And I know there's also world versus world. You remember how you picked a server uh, when Mm -hmm. we first – I believe that Guild Wars has a feature where you can send teams to invade other servers. Oh, that is cool. Yeah, that is definitely part of it. I want to get into that sort of thing because I hear it's a lot of fun. Hmm. So – but yeah, I mean, I'm I'm sold on Guild Wars two for a while now. I mean, it's I enjoy it. I think the storyline is pretty cool. The, occasionally, they have world events where just kind of like out of uh, Rift, you um you know running through the swamp and something pops up. Uh, actually, they are scheduled. You can go on. There's actually apps I found out that you can uh, have that'll let you know when certain things are showing up. And everybody has to gang up and knock down, you know, whatever giant monsters attacking at this moment. Um, and the world is huge too, so it's like, you know. Not, uh, I guess I gotta learn like the etiquette and stuff of you know playing in one of these if I'm gonna actually play. Well, yeah, and this is a whole other world, and they're trying different things with uh, not just the content, but also how you pay for these sorts of games. We see Guild Wars 2 where the model is you pay for the game and the content is free. There might be some little things you could throw some extra money for, but it's not like the free-to-play games where their model is you don't pay for the game, you don't pay per month, but if you want a boost to your character, you want this special other content, you have to give us some money. Yeah. Or the World of Warcraft current model, which is you pay us $15 every month, or what they're talking about moving to, which uh, is what EVE Online already does, where you can buy items that give you a month's subscription with your in-game gold. Yeah, they've actually just started that. Yeah, and EVE Online's been doing that for a while with credits, which is why you hear about a Star Destroyer getting killed, and this is a Star Destroyer that would be worth, like, $20,000 American. Well, they've basically figured out, okay, this is how much it costs for a month uh, of game time, and the item that gives you a month of game time is currently going for this many credits on the open market. So that's how they assign a dollar value to those ships. Yeah, and World of Warcraft saw how popular that idea was and how it helped control gold selling because you get into the seedy underbelly of like people stealing accounts and uh, fencing all the items to players that want to get the gold without working for it. Mm-hmm. I got my uh, WoW account got hacked once, and they were actually pretty good with it. They didn't uh, wind up getting and I didn't lose anything. So, yeah, Sarah's, hacker then. yeah, Sarah's got uh, uh, hacked once, but uh, her character logged on at a time where our entire guild knew that we were both on vacation and we started getting calls. It's like, uh, your wife is running around acting weird trying to get access to the guild bank. I think she's been hacked. And we we're able to log in and actually get her account back and get it locked down. Nice. All right. So, MUDs, so and, mo- uh, MUDs and MORPGs. Yeah, this is a long show, definitely one that is more slanted towards the now than the then, but we've seen uh, a lot of progress from just typing in, like, log in, go west, kill mouse. Yeah. <laughs> Turn right. Yeah. Op- open book. Read mm-hmm. book. You cannot <laughs> read. <laughs> so what do we got on tap for next week, gentlemen? Next week is Justice League Cartoons. 
we're going to take a look at the cartoons that have uh, had the Justice League in them from then to now. So we're starting out with uh, Super Friends and uh, the wackiness that went on with them and going to move up to some of the Justice League cartoons that are going on right now. Yeah, I'll get some DC Comics action. We've uh, talked a lot about Marvel stuff, but uh, it'll be cool to look at the TV shows that have basically DC characters that aren't just Batman. Yep, get a little Aquaman action up in here. Yeah, you know, Batman, Superman. Aquaman. Man, man. (laughs) Woman, man. (laughs) So... Yeah, so if you uh, would like to get our, our older shows, you can find us on iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher, and TalkShoe. And if uh, you want to give us a call, maybe you uh, remember your favorite uh, online role-playing game and we forgot to talk about it. Uh, give us a call and uh, let us know. It's 708-NOW-RAP. That's 708-669-9727. Yep, and uh, if you want to uh, get us on Facebook, 40GoingOn14, and Twitter, we're at 40 go 14 So uh, thanks for listening, and uh, you guys will talk to you next week. You are now leading the world of Musings of a Geek Podcast Network. Stay geeky, my friends. Uh, 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 cheesy rider.